Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Hello, I'm Matt Kelly. And I'm Matt Dancona. And this is the two mats for the week ending Friday, the 10th of November. And Matt, um, which Bond villain best describes you? Well, it's such a difficult one, isn't it? I mean, who's the one? I like cats. Who's the one with the cat? Blofeld, was it? Blofeld? Yeah, yeah, he was Blo- good, yeah. Blofeld. I like him. Yeah, I like Jaws. You're the big... Uh, oh, he's great, yeah. yeah. And, and you know, became a goodie in the second one. He did, didn't he? Yeah. Did. So there we are, a bad guy. Love, mate, good. turned him into a good guy. Yeah, yeah good. Very good. Okay, so what did we talk about? I don't know why we talked about Bond villains. We'll oh, you find know, out you later. Know we'll find well. out later. We we'll, talked about... What did we talk about? Uh, we talked about Obama. We talked about Swella Braverman. And we talked about Nadine Dorries. It was a triple... It was a, a trifecta, an unlikely trifecta, an unlikely trinity. Um, yeah. What should we call? What should we call this? Well, it was about. It's complicated. Isn't yeah. It? Should we call it? It's complicated. Yeah. I think. I think people like. Thank you, by the way, to all those who listened to our Jordan Peterson um, oh, thank episode. You much, yeah. We had a big spike in listeners, so thank you for that. And I think naming the topic helps a helps. little bit. In the, so, um, what is Suella Braverman on? Does that is that clicky? Would yeah. you click that list? I would. I mean, I would certainly click it. Yeah. Okay. What's Suella Braverman on? What is Suella Braverman on? Yeah. It doesn't tell the whole story, but it's no. But it's it's right. you know, as Tolstoy said, it's it's the main point. I don't you think he did and, you say and that. Dominic Cummins. I don't think he did. I don't think he did say that. <laughs> All right. No. Okay. All right. Off we All go. Right. So this is the two mats episode twenty one. What is Suella Braverman on? on? Enjoy. Enjoy. So Matt, uh, what are we going to talk about? Quite a lot. Well, there's lots, of, lots to talk about. But I think what would be interesting, you sent me a very interesting clip of uh, Barack Obama talking. I think in Chicago uh-huh. at an event about what's been going on in the Middle East. Um, in fact, if maybe the third Mac could give us a taste a of that. Taste of that. If there's any chance of us being able to act constructively to do something, it will require an admission of complexity and maintaining what on the surface may seem contradictory ideas, that, that what Hamas did was horrific and there's no justification for it. And what is also true is that the, the occupation and what's happening to Palestinians is is unbearable and what is also true is that there is a history 
of the Jewish people that may be dismissed unless your grandparents or your great-grandparents or your uncle or your aunt tell you stories about the madness of anti-Semitism. And what is true is that there are people right now who are dying who have nothing to do with what Hamas did. And what is true, right? I mean, we can go on for a while. Yeah, so you get, you get, you get, you get the picture. Yeah, and, it, and by the way, I think it's well worth everybody just Googling Barack Obama. Yes, it's and a, it'll pop I, up. I think it's a, the, the, it's a Pod Save America event. So right. maybe it may appear online as an entire interview, which yeah. I would want to listen to. I was impressed by the word complexity. Yeah, an admission of complexity is a kind of, you know, that's a, that's a, a really big thing to say. Yeah. What he's really saying is, uh, for all the bright and lurid colours in which inevitably the first month of the conflict have been painted, inevitably and to some extent without apology, in the end, when you're facing a crisis like this, you have to look at the contradictions and complexities. And it takes someone of Obama's gravitas and eloquence, I think, to really make yeah. that point with 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 impact. Because Yeah, because it's a strange one, isn't it? Because it's actually a... It's a very simple point, and it's an obviously yes. true point. And yet it feels like it's a hard thing to say. Because, because it is a hard thing because to say. Because it, it, inevitably, when you say this isn't simple, it's not a question of the Palestinian people have been wronged and from the river to the yes. sea and all of this business. Or on the other hand, the Israeli state is under constant attack and needs to defend itself and therefore... It, 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 after this atrocity, all bets are off and it must be given free reign. Neither of those things are true. And I think what, what is clear to anybody who thinks about this for more than a few seconds and doesn't really have an axe to grind, that, and an axe that may have been ground over years of different inculcations for, for, from all sorts of sources and for whatever reason. But for anybody who, who sits there and says, my God, this is just complicated. And that's the first thing that needs to be acknowledged, isn't it? Before yes, you can and, move forward. And I suppose the second thing is that uh, it's going to take people with um, Obama's statesmanship yeah. to even stand a chance of, of, of admitting that complexity and turning it into um, consequential change. I've got a question for you. Could he have made that statement as president well i mean the the clip carries on and he says I, I asked myself could i have done more and that is not just him virtue signaling it, it's a it's an expression of frustration because actually obama's handling of the uh, middle east peace process was not successful he and john kerry tried to uh, in the second term obama's second term to get um, Mahmoud Abbas, the head of the Palestinian Authority, and um, Netanyahu to agree, and they got nowhere. And one of the reasons they got nowhere was that both parties in the conflict sensed correctly that the Obama administration was no longer as invested in the Middle East as, say, the Clinton administration had been. I mean, Clinton was passionate yes. about it. it was a, he was devastated that Arafat yes. finally said no to his peace deal but the Obama administration was not invested in in that process and when in 2014 those talks collapsed that was kind of the last time that America has been seriously and heavily involved in the peace process until now yeah uh, and you know it actually it's 
incorrect to say it's involved in the peace process. I mean, Biden and uh, his Secretary of State and Tony Blinken have been engaged in trying to minimise the carnage and and organise humanitarian corridors and shuttle around the various parts of the Middle East, particularly in Blinken's case. Um, but to call that part of the peace process, I think, is to elevate it. And I think this is part of the problem, is that a lot of the debate in the UK is a sort of binary between conflict and peace process. The, the, the only reason that there isn't a peace process going on is that there are a handful of bad actors standing in the way of a huge number of people who, who are longing for a peace process. And would that it was so, but it isn't. We are a long way, a really long way off the kind of negotiations that Obama is rightly talking about. You yeah. know, the first thing is going to have to be a series of cessations or small truces or the language humanitarian. you need to try yeah. and uh, lower the temperature enough to get some humanitarian aid in. Yeah. But here's the problem. Israel is not going to accept Hamas as a negotiating partner ever mm. after October the 7th. And Hamas is dug in to tunnels, you know, in very, very sensitive parts of Gaza. And it's going to take a long time to get them out. The leadership of Hamas is dispersed. Many of them live in palatial circumstances in Qatar, in Doha. So the, 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 the business of dismantling Hamas, which I think is the prelude to everything else, I think yeah. there are two regime changes that need to happen. One is in Gaza, and the second is is in Israel. I, I think you know until Netanyahu's gone, yeah, there, there can't be a peace process. But but if if Hamas is embedded in the fabric of yes Gazan society, how, how do you completely eradicate? It's, it's incredibly it? difficult because you you have two bits of international laws of war up against each other. One is the law of proportionality and the idea that you you don't hit citizens and so on but the other is which is not being mentioned as often in these discussions but is extremely important is the law of distinction which is that if you are Hamas you have a duty under the Geneva Conventions not to put your HQ under a huge hospital which yeah. is exactly what they've done yeah and the unfortunate fact is that the Israelis arguably have um, you know a case for what they're doing because, precisely because all of the heart of Gaza's um, infrastructure and command centers uh, are so tightly knitted into um, civilian life, public services and so on. I mean, it's horrific. Um, and so the, the process of rooting out Hamas is going to take a long time. The worst idea anyone has mentioned so far is Netanyahu's proposal that Israel will step in and take over Gaza for an indefinite period. Yeah. That is a recipe for, you know, just basically a, a, a forever war. Well, that is an occupation, then, isn't it? It's, Which is, but it's yeah. worse because it will. It, it that means that the temperature re remains red hot yeah. indefinitely. Yeah. Um, we've we've I think from the very start we've agreed yeah. that 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 somehow there needs to be an interregnum, a multinational presence in Gaza to rebuild. Because it'll take a decade to rebuild the, the, but, but the isn't this what was possibly on the cards though, and what Hamas was kicking against? You know, the, well, the normalisation of relationships with Saudi and Qatar and all of these things. You know, it was all looking like it was there was a trajectory where 
a two-state solution might but again see, come, become realistic. Again, we reach an awkward fact. Mm. Hamas doesn't want a two-state solution. No, 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 of solution. course, yeah. It wants a caliphate. Which is why it blew it up. You know, yeah. that's why it, it, um, it acted like it did. And so, you know, Blinken says, let's give the Palestinian Authority that runs the West Bank, Mahmoud Abbas, authority over the Gazans. Yeah. Well, okay, but... You know, Abbas is an aging man. His yeah. authority is already pretty weakened in the West Bank. The idea that he's going to be able to do what's going to be needed in Gaza as well, I would question that. I do, you know, I'm, nation building is not a fashionable word these days, but I actually think that Gaza is going to need some pretty serious, it's going to need a lot of money and it's going to need some very serious international nation building if this is not going to simply end up with Gaza reduced to a sort of uh, a stone age of despair. Well, I was looking through the pictures on our, our photo agency last night for, for the New European. And I mean, there are huge swathes of it have already been yes. leveled. You know, I mean, it, there's acres of rubble um, in the north, obviously, and, you know, pictures of tanks bursting through walls and blowing the shit out of stuff where, where i kind of feel that there's an awkwardness a tension for people well I'll, I'll speak for myself and if anybody else feels this tension then then i won't be surprised but i won't try and speak for anybody else my in- instinct is it's not for me to say to israel you know enough you know, 10,000 dead and counting, 4,000 kids dead 4, and counting. You'd have, to be a psych- you'd have to be a psychopath you know? to want that to carry on. Yeah. So but, but so, so, that's one point, is, and that's touching on proportionality. Yes. But my, my other point around the same issue is a strategic point, which is, isn't it absolutely obvious that, that this response is exactly what Hamas wants and has planned for? And is, you know, if you talk about wanting to create a caliphate and wanting to instill generation of rage and and hatred, this is this is going to be the end product, isn't it, of what's happening right now? Uh, it, it, possibly. But I think the Israeli response to that would be um, they did it anyway. You know, I mean, yeah, ha- yeah, but, uh, so well, does, isn't this the complexity that Obama's talking yes, it, about? Yes, it is. But but I think that. Where we sometimes go wrong in the West is that we assume that if you that beneath scratch everyone and they're all London liberals, uh-huh, right? Uh-huh. That the people who are at risk of radicalization, assuming they're not radicalized already, yeah. if Israel does something, will in fact turn into nice remainers, if you like. Yeah, uh, and I, I think that is to misunderstand quite what's happening there. I mean, the fact is that. Gaza is now already a jihadi enclave. You know, not everyone in Gaza agrees with Hamas, but enough of them do that to say, watch out because you'll be radicalizing a new generation, certainly for the Israelis, is an insufficient deterrent. Mm. The other thing that is um, uh, underestimated, I think, is that Israel no longer cares about world opinion. It did, but it doesn't now. They watch... I mean, having spoken to a few people who are in Israel and uh, thankfully so far safe, they've really been affected watching the marches, yeah. you know, because the, the the point that a lot of them make time and time again is that the, and, and it is a good point, is that the march the marches and the rallies started before yes. the Israeli response. Yeah. So now, you know, we're recording this before what, 
could conceivably be quite a tense Saturday in London. There's the armistice day, and then there's the whole growing controversy about um, the the, the pro-Palestine march. Now, I, I think, you know, a lot of the people who go on that march is straightforwardly saying there must this the violence must stop yeah but the israelis say yeah but the, the marches began before then yeah so what what were they protesting and they say the israelis they're protesting against our existence and they note too and i think again this is a good point the un has passed a lot of resolutions since october the 7th it has yet to pass a single resolution condemning hamas's terrorist attacks right and that is a disgrace it is if you if you want to get a picture of how complex it is i'd commend people to tune into a brilliant podcast by jonathan friedland and yonit levy yonit is a tv news anchor in israel so obviously lives in israel and is feeling this from inside israel Uh, jonathan friedland is looking at this as part of the jewish diaspora yes and and the the most recent episode um or you know, maybe it's been superseded by now, but it's the one, I think they called it war therapy or something like yes. this, is where they have this most extraordinary conversation about the hurt that I think both of them have felt about how their view of the world, which pre the 7th of October, I think was, they, they probably they were pretty they were aligned, very aligned, yeah. cigarette paper between them. And then tensions crept in about whether Jonathan felt that Israel would were losing the war, the PR war, if you like, the global PR war. Yonit feeling like you don't know what you're talking about because you're not inside feeling this and we're at a war and can't people just say this is an atrocity, you have carte blanche. That's simplifying their argument. It's a fascinating debate. It's between, a really good. We'll put the link in the show notes. Yes, please. And... Uh, and and by the way, I'm started to go through their back catalogue. And it's if you want podcast, to start, it's yeah. Fact, yeah, terrific. And Johnny also wrote a really good piece, I think, in the in the Guardian. One of these few journalists that I look on jealously, as indeed I looked on you jealously when you were further afield. But he wrote this brilliant piece about saying, you know, here's the complexity, the problem, the nub of the issue is that you've got two just causes here. You've got two nations on the same plot of land, both with a right to exist, both with a claim to nationhood. And that's that's the the complexity. So people saying, you know, it, it was all it's Palestine and it should all be Palestine, or people saying from the other point of view about Israelis Israel's right to you know, to, and to go in and settle in the West Bank and all of this stuff, you know, that's unhelpful. What is helpful possibly is how do you start thinking about how do these two communities live together the, in peace uh, yes, and security? Yes, and, and, and it is very difficult because the, the the factor in all of this that should never be underestimated is time. Yeah. If you watch sort of the programmes we do and listen to the podcasts we do and read the newspapers we do, there's a creeping impatience. You can feel it. Yeah. With, come on, you know, okay, guys, you've had your month of yeah. tearing chunks out of each other. Now it's time to resume business as usual and go to the peace table. Well, business as usual was not going yeah. to the peace table. There was a very unhealthily negotiated, but nonetheless, you know, there was a ceasefire, which Hamas broke on October the 7th. Yeah. And we're barely a month out from that. And the hostages are still, at the yeah. time of recording, in Gaza. Mm. And so... Yeah, you know, there are two causes here, but um, they're not going to be um, negotiated, I'm afraid, anytime soon. No, and this is a point that Yonit makes in that uh, podcast about 
the clock's always ticking uh, for Israel. He said, you know, the clock was never ticking for the United States after 9-11. It yes. was like, you know, on you go, and there was no limit to... He said, but there's a sense within Israel that the rest of the world has got a stopwatch on them and saying, okay, you've had long enough now to kick yes. the shit out of them. It's time now to move on. And yes. that that feels, from an Israeli's point of view, inside Israel as, as, as different. You know, we're being treated differently. It's exceptionalism. You know, why should... Israel well, it, not it, it, be given the I same... Mean, look, it, you know, to argue their case, just for sake of argument, the Palestinian people have been through multiple degradations and, and, and sufferings, including the, the horrific way they were treated in the Syrian civil war. I didn't see yeah. anyone marching through London then. Right. Israel does have a point. It's always Israel mm. that prompts the marches. And, the, and one other fascinating point, I don't want to... Um, this has turned into an advert for... Jonathan Friedland's podcast, which wasn't... Oh, well, there's nothing wrong with that. But they, in a previous one, they had Simon Sebag Montefiore. Oh, yes, on, yeah. Who made this brilliant point, I think, which counters... Uh, he made a number of brilliant points about the, the artifice of some of the arguments against Israel's right to exist. But one of them was the cheek of people to march to say that you have no right to live as a Jew in Israel because you've colonised this land. When the same people would never dream of saying to somebody who was living in Birmingham, for instance, for three, four, five generations, you're not British. Yes. You know, well, of course they're Israeli. Of course Israel exists de facto. It's I a mean, fact. Jews have been living in what has been variously known as Palestine, Israel and other things um, for thousands of years. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. the other thing is that we always hear about the expulsion of the Palestinians from that small plot of land. We rarely hear about the expulsion of Jews from the surrounding Arab states. At yeah. the, at the, I mean, it wasn't one-way traffic. Yeah. You know, this was a rearrangement post-war, post-Holocaust of how that area of the Middle East would be, you know, allotted. And it was ugly. A lot of it seems to depend on, on how you choose to calibrate your microscope, doesn't it? It's like, yes. are you just looking at the last 30, 40 years? Are you looking at the last 100 years? Are you looking at the last several hundred yes. years? Yes, and know? it's worth remembering that Hamas is, doesn't think about 1948. It right. doesn't think about the foundation of the State of Israel. It thinks about 1924, when the caliphate fell. Mm. That's what bothers ha Hamas. Um, so one needs to be, you know, if, if, if one is sort of what's the original sin for Hamlet, that's the original sin. Yeah. I just think that, that we're going to be talking about this for a long while to go. And I hope sure. there, there's, we're recording this on Thursday. There's some talk today that there might be a, you know, a three day cessation to let some humanitarian aid in. Let's hope that that comes to something. I mean, yeah. that would be, that would be great, wouldn't it? it? It would. And one thing that I'd, I'd like to just give people an insight into is the challenges as somebody trying to edit a newspaper and make decisions about, this is the hardest thing I think I've come across because we're a newspaper that says things, you know, yes. we're not just reporting the news. We're trying to say something. We've had really great columns. You know, you've written some yeah. fantastic columns. Paul Mason, I thought wrote a great column about, Keir Starmer's view on yeah, but columns are a different thing. They are, and 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 you know the New European says stuff on its front page each week, and I found it impossible as yet to know what to do on the front page that says something that one isn't crass, which is so easy to to get that wrong, but also something that's helpful. You know, my private eye did their cover the other day, the one before last, where yes. they got pilloried by a lot of people. And it said something like, warning, this newspaper. Private eye for an eye. Yeah, private eye for an eye. And this, this magazine may contain criticism Offensive, of the yeah. Israeli government and suggest that killing all Palestinians isn't a long-term solution. 
that felt to me like I love Private Eye, but that felt like to me unhelpful and a misstep and 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 crass. And I haven't yet thought of how do we tell this story on the front page of the New European. Maybe it'll come to me. Maybe it'll some great photograph will appear. Well, but I, I mean, not as yet. Inevitably, our thoughts turn in this regard to Swella Braverman, yes, don't they? Good I mean, she, segue, she never yeah. fails yeah. to come through when it comes to. I mean, if you're thinking yeah. about covers. And uh, as we've mentioned, we're recording this on Thursday and still reeling slightly from her piece in The Times. Incredible. Uh, I mean, I, I was saying to you before we started that I, I always think, right, this is she can get no worse. Yeah. But she always proves me wrong. Do you think she's doing it on purpose? Well, I mean, she knows what she's doing. I mean, <laughs> yeah. she, she's intelligent. She knows perfectly well what she's doing. But she's she's playing to an American MAGA playbook do you want to just just in case people haven't heard well i mean it, just, just touch on some just to touch on well it, it, she's there is a, a a tension between the government and the police over whether or not the pro-palestine march should go ahead on saturday i personally think it should um i think that that, that um freedom of assembly mean is defined by letting the marches you might have reservations about go ahead yeah not the ones that you Find easy. Sure. That's and if people are chanting uh, incitement to hatred, then lock them up. Fine. Yeah, and I mean, know. police said you know, that's, that's what policing what is all about. Is about yeah. However, you know, the, the 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 government has made it abundantly clear that it wants the march banned because it yeah. coincides with Armistice Day. But in order for that to happen, the police have to formally request a ban uh, through the Public Order Act, and it's clear that Sir Mark Rowley's not going to do that. So, certainly at the time of recording, the march is going ahead. Now, Sweller Braveman, as most people know, has helpfully and, um, you know, in the interests of, of um, good relations, described these demonstrations as hate marches. Mm-hmm. In The Times, she raises the game and she she expresses implied concern that the police are not policing protests, quote, even handedly. Yeah. What does she mean by that? She spells it out. Yeah. She says... During COVID, I'm quoting here, during COVID, why was it that lockdown objectors were given no quarter by public order police, yet Black Lives Matters demonstrators were enabled, allowed to break rules and even greeted with officers taking the knee? Um, I mean, she is, so, it's so cynical. And she's the, packing the, everything in. I mean, yeah. it's, and then the, the, the bit that I thought was um, the dog whistle to end all dog whistles was she says at the end, I don't think it's been picked up, actually. Football fans are even more vocal about the tough way they are policed as compared to politically connected minority groups who are favoured by the left. And first of all, I thought, what's that all about? And then I realised, oh, God, because a whole bunch of football firms, football Mm. so-called football supporting firms, Football Lads Against Extremism, Democratic Football Lads Alliance, I mean, gruesome names, are supposedly coming to London on Saturday uh, to to, uh, defend the cenotaph and so on. I mean, one hopes they don't come Mm. and one hopes that if they do come, they just stand there and and do nothing. I've seen a procession of people on Instagram Usually big fat ball blokes in Union Jack shorts saying in Marbella saying, right, lad, you know what needs to be done? Enough said, you know, yeah, I mean, no. stereotypical. Let's have a straightener, yeah, you know, right. uh, and I have to say it, it's not, um, thank you, Elon, a great coincidence that Tommy Robinson has returned to Twitter, yeah. you know, and he's saying, you know, come and defend the nation and all yeah, this sort of thing. Yeah. But Swilla Braverman really has, and we've, we've, Learn today, Thursday, that number 10 did not clear the article. I maintain I don't think Sunak will sack her. I think, or at least he certainly doesn't want to, although she is making it 
really hard. Why wouldn't he sack her? Because he finds her useful. Because he's beholden to her, because right. she's popular in the party, and because if she is in divorce, well, of course she's planning a leadership bid, that's easier from the backbenchers. Have her in the tent pissing out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. but I think that, that the bigger point is that there are few things more despicable in politics than using a real war to advance a culture war. Right, right. I mean, how low is that? Yeah. So one thing that puzzled me were, unless there is a smart explanation as you've just provided with the football fans the the allusion to northern ireland struck me as balmy she said it you can see the resonance in these palestinian pro-palestinian marches in what we used to see in northern ireland in in marches where you've got one well section of society trying to gain dominance and the people who march in northern ireland most are protestants yes the orangemen it's who it, are all, all complete you know that was just plain stupid right because, so she has because, fouled because, up yeah. because um not only is what you say true yeah. but also the parades commission yeah. in in northern ireland which has been around since 1998 so quarter of a century has been one of the great successes yeah. of the ulster peace process because what it does and you can go to their website is they list all the marches on both sides of the community and they ensure the routes and the timings yeah. are all, you know, so there won't be any trouble. And they've really done a great job. Yeah. So actually, you know, the Northern Ireland symmetry is complete nonsense. It just seems such a, I mean, it's such it's dangerous. To, it's But it's one, it's obviously dangerous territory yes. for a UK politician to start spouting off about things they don't like about Northern Ireland culture and society. And yet she made the point repeatedly and it was such a pointed Yes. Point. It well, just seemed. I think it was this, there was something there. This goes back to a, a point that we 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 made in the last Q and A, which is actually the Conservative Party is now the English Party. Right. You well, know, listen, the, we're going to have to take a quick well, break. Let's and take a you, quick break. But if you know why Suella, if you've got a clever answer for why Suella let Bravin us know brought Northern Ireland into the fight, then do drop us a line at two mats at tnepublishing.com and we'll see you after the break. This week's episode is sponsored by The New European, and boy, oh boy, do we have a seasonal gift for you if you subscribe. What's that, Santa? It is, it is, and I shouldn't be laughing, but it's an absolutely it's deadly serious. It's it's a fantastically funny set of six Christmas cards and a 2024 wall calendar. Also seriously funny, <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I'll be bound. But they are bloody funny. Bloody funny. I, honestly, I even wrote some of the gags myself. They uh, are, well, then it's a lock. It is an absolute lock-in. And uh, you can get those six cards and your fantastic wall calendar to give you laughs all the way through 2024 and to make all of your friends think you are the funniest person on the block when they get your Christmas card if you subscribe to The New European. And The New European, if you don't know, is a fantastic newspaper and website full of great serious political analysis from great writers like the very fantastic Matthew Dancona. Do you know him? Seen here. Relative? Very cousin, I think. <laughs> Patience Wheatcroft. Uh, Bonnie Greer, James Ball, James Ball, Tannicock, John T. Bloom, Will Self, Self, absolute know. stellar stuff. And, company, and, and Alistair Campbell's diary is an absolute. It's a must. Is an absolute must read. And it's also got loads of fantastic cultural uh, commentary and features, stuff left field stuff you won't read anywhere else. But if you love Europe and you want to get a sense of why Europe is a is a fantastic continent and a great place we all love, then the New European was literally made for you. So subscribe 
join our fight against right-wing nationalistic media and do something positive about the state of the press in the UK. Yes, sir. You can get everything we do online for just a pound a week. Or if you like the actual newspaper delivered to your door every single week, then you can have that for another pound. And that's a 75% saving on what you'd pay at the news agent. Just go to www.theneweuropean.co.uk forward slash two mats. That's www.theneweuropean.co.uk forward slash two mats, number two, M-A-T-T-S. Do it now and you'll get your Christmas cards and calendar in plenty of time for the festive season and you'll be supporting great independent journalism. Thank you. This month on The Modern Man, the award-winning magazine show for your ears, we tell the story of Kaz Jane, a woman who takes police officers into the woods and makes them cry. Plus, we explore the trend for philanthrotainment. Is it right for YouTubers to become charities? And our resident relationships expert, Alex Fox, tackles dating after bereavement. And there's music and your letters. It's a packed show. Join me, Ollie Mann, on The Modern Man. That's M-A-N-N, yes, it's a pun on my name. Find us wherever you get your podcasts, or there's a link in the show notes. Over on the Media Podcast this week, Reach announces layoffs of almost 10% of their staff. We look at why. Also on the programme, BBC Studios enters the audio market, as does James Corden, and why Carol Vorderman becomes the first casualty of Lineker's Law. Plus, in the Media Quiz, we pit the pundits against each other in our very own Squid Games. That's the Media Podcast with me, Matt Deegan, available wherever you get your podcasts or clicking on the link in the show notes. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. 
Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome back, listeners. Hope you're taking something out of the show and enjoying it. Um, now, talking about from the sublime to the ridiculous, no, the, the nasty, racist, horrible, bigoted Home Secretary to the ridiculous. Just to the ridiculous. Um, Dean well, it's, um, it's a great week for literature because... Um, Nadine Doris' latest book, <laughs> always a great week for Alicia, right? When, yeah. um, and she continues her exploits as a fiction writer, uh, not quite a fiction <laughs> writer, but um, in the publication of this book, The Plot. Yeah. Um, now, I'm, I, I have only read what's, in, what's been serialised in the Daily Mail. You haven't but bought it? Well, I, I haven't bought it. I don't think it's actually in the shops yet. I'm, <laughs> okay. I'm eagerly, I'm agog by the letterbox waiting for my, yeah. they, the publishers have promised me a, a review copy, so yeah, I, yeah. I, I can't wait for that. But, um, I mean, to people who don't know, uh, Nadine Doris, you know, Capsule, there's so much, God, there's so much. I mean, she was Culture Secretary under Boris Johnson, uh, hated the BBC, didn't know how Channel 4 was funded, ordered a bunch of cultural institutions out of London in the name of levelling up. She stood down as MP for Mid-Bedfordshire after the fall of Johnson, but said she wouldn't leave until she was told why she'd been refused a period in Johnson's resignation on this. She's got yeah. so much form. Yeah. She'd lost the whip in 2012-13, going on I'm a Celebrity, etc., etc. Anyway, she's now written this book, The Plot, which is all about how wicked, evil conspirators brought down the great Boris Johnson. I thought this should Dory's through the looking glass would have been a, <laughs> would have been a better title, but it, some of it's mad. But there, there's enough interest in it to take it sort of semi seriously. Well, it? we've discussed before that Dominic Cummings, who's one of the the, the villains of the of, of this uh, book, which I gather is quite long, yeah, dauntingly long, did indeed you know say to Laura Kunzberg after the. Um, uh, um, I think in 2021 that that he and his pals, the Vote Leave gang, people like Lee Kane and and others, had indeed plotted to bring down yeah. Boris Johnson days after the 2019 election. And it's true that there is a group of like-minded people who, as she say, t- says, tend to sort of identify with Michael Gove. One of them is a character called Dougie Smith. Yeah, he's fascinating. Well, I've done a little bit of digging into him in the yeah. past. I actually knew him a bit in the 90s. And he's a sort of fascinating... He's one of these figures that genuinely almost never get seen in the spotlight. I think the Daily there's Mail... There's one photograph there's of him. There's two now. Oh, there's there's yeah. one from the 90s, and I think the Daily Mail caught one of him more recently. But okay. he, he, he's very, very rarely seen yeah. around. None of, none of them at the swingers' parties he used to run. That He used about. to run swingers' parties. Yeah. Um, he is married very happily to Boris Johnson's former policy chief, Manira Mirza, a former revolutionary communist. The plot thickens. Yeah. And he's the fixer. I mean, he fixes everything. He fixes safe seats. He fixes scandals. He's the he's the muscle. How do, how do, how does it go? I mean, there's obviously there's the Conservative Party has an it's an organisation with one would hope functioning departments and and mechanisms for yes. all of this stuff. How do you get an organisation where? You get these shadowy characters. There's him. There's also this Doctor No. Um, well, I, I mean, I, one has to be tread slightly carefully yeah, legally. Yeah. But I would suggest that Doctor No is one of the named individuals, th- but right. that she has decided to 
yeah. take Doctor No out yeah. because she's alarmed at what might happen if um, right. she she attributes the there are various sort interestingly of she said that uh, that she'd named him but the I think the Daily Mail lawyers the Mail have been serializing yes. the book the Mail lawyers have said we can't go with the Doctor No stuff and t- uh, naming him yes. Uh, with our X, Y, and Z in place, and that would have delayed publication by yes. six months. She wanted, and she'd it already out now. did. It was yeah. meant to come out before the Tory conference. Right. So, right. I mean, and the cabinet office have uh-huh. been having kittens over the whole thing. So, suffice it to say, I'm fairly sure that that Doctor No is one of the people yeah. that uh, that is named in the book, right. uh, rather than the, uh, an additional character. Yeah. But one of the uh, truly bonkers things about the book is that um, it it keeps referring to people by code names so not only dr no but she's got a source called thumper <laughs> bambi money penny um yeah. i initially saw dominic cummings as odd job to go's goldfinger i mean this is <laughs> this is fairly deranged stuff yeah. um and the funny thing is i think dominic cummings has had a great time responding to this both to journalists and on on x yeah. on twitter yeah because of course, what it's doing is giving—it's uh, giving him fantastic cover. Yeah. Because everyone, understandably, thinks this is the work of a of a, of a crazy person. Yeah. Actually, at the heart of it, there is a kernel of truth, which is that there has been, especially in the last few years since Brexit, a group—I don't know whether it's called itself the movement—but that it o- operates in a very militaristic way, with Cummings and Gove at the heart of it all. And she's right about that. And they did play a big part in the downfall of Johnson. They did. Yeah. Although the person who played the biggest part in the downfall of Johnson was Johnson. It was Boris Johnson. Let's not get yeah. too kind of yeah. conspiracy theory to channel about this. Douglas Murray, there was someone who ruined And it life. was you. It was you. Uh, so, you know, even if these people hadn't existed, I, don't, yeah. I think he wouldn't be prime minister yeah. or, uh, now. But... But anyway, I think it's given it's it's paradoxically given a new lease of life to the movement. One fascinating element of this, I thought, was and and it is a real insight into the kind of shenanigans that must go on, but uh, and would drive you nuts if you were the Secretary mm. of State as she was. Apparently, she recommended Michael Grade for the chairman of Ofcom. Ofcom, yeah. Put the note into her ministerial red box. Red box was delivered to Johnson. By the time Johnson opened it, there was someone else's name on the recommendation. She was then told about this by some back channel, phoned up Johnson and said, this is a, sh- a disgrace. Yeah. I recommended Grade and Grade eventually got the job. But somebody somewhere, according to Nadine Doris, had interfered with her letter to the prime minister. I mean, it sounds utterly mad because it wasn't going to escape her notice yes. that at some point Michael Grade hadn't got the gig. But if that is going on, that... Well, the, th- the thing is that if there are conspiracies and deep states and so on going uh, running britain they this is a great week for them yeah. right because yeah. no one will now believe in it right yeah. and it really is that old thing the greatest trick the devil ever pulled was con- persuading the world he didn't exist yeah well that's exactly what nadine dorries has just done for all the sinister forces in, yeah. in british public life right nice one brilliant right well that's uh, i'm sure we'll hear more from Nadine, at some point in the near future, what didn't we have time to talk about? Well, this week? we obviously we didn't we didn't really talk about the King's speech, which I think it shows wisdom yeah. on our part because it wasn't. I, I I just think one has to pay tribute to 
the phrase, the scourge of unlicensed pedicabs. <laughs> I mean, that is up there with, you know, ask not what your country can do for it's you. It's the scourge isn't it? of unlicensed pedicures. That's pedicures. And, you know, it, it, uh, it was unbelievable. Um, the best bit of it all, which I think is worth noting, was Starmer. I thought Starmer was brilliant. Starmer in the on, debate. On Suella Braverman. Yes. It was brilliantly scripted. He delivered it brilliantly. And it was chilling. To He said, basically, you can't be a serious prime minister unless you've got a serious home secretary and she is not yes. a serious home secretary and they were jam-packed on the front row as they always are uh, but somehow uh, the body language between Sunak who was sitting next to Braverman but his head was about five feet away from hers by the time yes. Starm had finished he yes. was like you could tell there was this gulf between them and and and, and a great deal of embarrassment not enough to sack her well unless we find out yes otherwise I mean she in the future. her future will also be resolved to some extent, by how the Supreme Court rules on Rwanda, which yeah. is a very important moment for yeah. this government. Yeah. Uh, the other thing we didn't talk about, which again you drew to my attention, and you know, imagine my shock, uh, is that Caramac <sighs> has been discontinued after 64 years by I mean, Nestle. Come on, Nestle! Of all the weeks to drop that bad news, the world has had enough. Not you know, it's now. pretty pretty bad time. Yeah. I, I love their. their they said we had we'd made the difficult decision to d- discontinue it. Difficult decision is one of my favourite euphemisms because yeah. it, it's been. I think it was the Cameron Osborne years where it became it got into the bloodstream. Generally, it meant we're going to close your hospital, or yeah. we're going to take away your benefits, <laughs> or you know, we're going to turn your life support system off. Yeah, you know, yeah. we've made a difficult decision, yeah. but I do like the idea that you know, um, a, a, abolishing a much loved form of confectionery. I think it was probably a, my. Difficult decision. My favourite chocolate bar or caramel bar. Caramel bar. We shall not see its like again. It's a shame. Well, there's another one, isn't there? Caramilk, I think. By there's Cadbury's. all sorts of nonsense. And they and they got rid of red bounty bars. Did you yes, see that? The dark yes, chocolate yes. bounties. I mean, you know, you like just, you said, all our childhood has been ripped away from us. It's just you know before our very eyes, really. There's no okay. respect anymore. On that saddest of sad notes, we're going to bid you adieu. Thank you for listening. Don't forget your special subscriptions offer where you can get your hilarious uh, Christmas cards and 2024 calendar for free by signing up to The New European, which is Britain's fastest growing newspaper. We want to say a big thank you to our production team led by the third Matt, Matt Hill. Thank you, guys. And until next week. It's goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from him. Goodbye. Goodbye. Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustolium. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.